on the ninth day of the month of September, in a dingy tin pot podcast no one ever listens to, the Diminishing Returns top films list suddenly encountered a threat to its very way of being. And this glorious piece of work surfaces, as such art often does, in the seemingly strangest and unlikely of movies. And welcome to the show, Diminishing Returns. I'm Sol, and with me, as ever, is Mr. Alan Shearing. Hello. And this week, we've got a very special guest. Um, he he does his own podcast that you, you may listen to, although uh, so few people listen to our show. I think it's very <laughs> unlikely there's any crossover yet. <laughs> so, yeah, please welcome to the show the, the host of... Or one of the two hosts of Films Remembered Badly, Darren Ashcroft. Hi. Hello. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, and applause. We're like a, we're like a BBC Radio sh- Two show. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we got a little posse <laughs> in the in the studio. Your your show, Darren. Your your concept is that you can't remember films. <laughs> that yeah, watched, yeah. And then you try to remember them. For a man who works in cinema, who doesn't yeah. remember films. Yeah, that's where we met. It was when when I used to work at the cinema. I think I've mentioned that on the show once or twice. Um, yeah, yeah. When you when you say you work in cinema, do you mean you work in a cinema? <laughs> <laughs> in a cine world cinema to drop names. Ooh, fancy. <laughs> well, it was quite. It's quite a good. Oh no, it's not. It <laughs> oh yeah, world, it's in it's in the north, is it? Johnny Vegas went in once. I, I served Johnny Vegas. <laughs> um. So this week we're doing. A response to a few weeks ago, we did Mamma Mia, which was yeah. one of the only musicals, um, sort of pure musicals that we've covered on the show. And I was so infuriated with how shit it was that I, <laughs> I decided I was going to pick a proper good <laughs> musical for us to do. So this week we're doing Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, yeah. Classic, Ooh. classic musical film based on the stage show, based on another film. Oh, what was the film it was based on? Day of the Triffids, or no? There, there was a there was a film called um, The Little Shop of Horrors in 1960. Mm-hmm. Was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which was this? Uh, so what was it? It was like a really cheap. I think they filmed it in like two or three days. Yeah, Roger Corman. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was turned around like really on the cheap, really low budget film, and it's it's about. Same character names and everything, isn't it? It's uh... yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. The the musical of the stage musical was based on this film. I'm not sure exactly why they picked it out. Um, from what I understand, it was just a a little B movie that gained a bit of cult success because mm. it was a little bit kooky. But yeah, I mean, I've I just watched it the other day. I've actually seen it before, but and it is just a silly throwaway comedy that someone's thrown together in a few days. You can tell what it is. Yeah. Um and it's most it's only really notable now. The only reason anyone watches it yeah. now is because of its legacy, which is, you know, fair enough. And uh Jack Nicholson. A young a young Jack Nicholson making one of his early appearances there. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Um, Jack Nicholson plays the Bill Murray role from the 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 remake. in the original one. Oh, the, cool. Yeah, yeah. Do you have much to say about the the earliest one other than that? I I watched it a while ago and I didn't find the time to rewatch it for this, which I should have done. Um, not a lot to say, but it's 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 a nice little film, you know. It's not bad, and I mean, it's, <laughs> Audrey isn't seeing the dentist like that doesn't happen. It's just Audrey and Seymour getting together. But the plant is very similar. It's just a little sort of Venus flytrappy kind of thing. The effects aren't as good though, are they? Well, no. <laughs> but it doesn't really talk that much. It just kind of like it kind of just says like, "Oh, feed me." But also, you never see it moving, as in it doesn't move to to match the the noises it's making. Um, but yeah, it's for say they just threw it together, and they had they had the sets left over from something else, and they had it was th- they had three days before they were going to pull it down. So they're like, right, write a script quick. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what they did. Wow. Um, and yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just a throwaway comedy, really. But there's a lot. All the all the facets are there. Most of the facets are there. What What would you give it out of ten? Might as well chuck a rating. Um, it? I give it a six, <laughs> I think. Oh, that's what I gave it as well when I saw it. It wasn't like it wasn't um, it wasn't a bad film by any means. It was just sort of B movie, pretty well put together B movie for, for considering the circumstances, you know. Um, but then, of course, uh, that was taken as the inspiration for the stage show, which uh, had songs written by Alan Menken, who's now best known for his Disney music writing he's done all sorts of classic disney stuff like aladdin and um mm-hmm. i want to say he did hercules pocahontas he's done a lot of them well well I'm, i was reading up about this and yeah basically a little shop of horrors him and um what's his name how howard Ash- howard ashman ashman, ashman yeah. yeah him and howard ashman uh, menken does the music ashman does the lyrics that this this was their breakthrough really yeah little yeah shop absolutely. Of horrors was their breakthrough it was off broadway but it was a uh cult success and it was off the back of this that they got the gig on little mermaid though they, they someone someone's one, yeah and that was that was their mainstream thing and then obviously they got pulled in to do beauty and the beast because there isn't disney were doing beauty and the beast not as a musical realized it wasn't working so they got the little mermaid guys to come in and sort it out for them and then um one after aladdin and they pitched aladdin that was their thing apparently oh really they went they went to disney with this idea for an aladdin musical and they said okay put something together we'll have a look that's awesome so yeah, yeah. And, and then obviously um howard ashman died but alan menken carried on doing what he was doing but yeah this very much little shop of horrors was their thing that brought them to mainstream notice so this has got a pretty big uh legacy in terms yeah. of it's you know what yeah it was the small step that snowballed into something massive for them well yeah i mean the disney renaissance of of the late 80s early 90s is down to little shop of horrors <laughs> <Very much. laughs> <Yeah>. wow <laughs> so alan when did you first watch this film the, the oh, 80s one the that good one. Was a, lo- a long time ago i've seen it several times but yeah like uh probably when i was in my teens i guess Okay. I, I remember watching it when we lived together in London. I was watching my, mm-hmm. like... Well, I, I watched it, but it was my, like, bootleg copy with the original ending intact, but it was mm. all, like, assembled from black and white footage because yeah, you couldn't yeah, get yeah. the proper director's well, cut. Well, you can now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now, because I watched it yesterday. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's finally seems to be becoming the, the standard version as, it's, as it mm-hmm. should be. Um... We'll we'll get back onto that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
I, I remember you you sort of maybe you just came in and watched the ending. I remember you commenting on it going on too long or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you watched it again recently. I, I watched this again last night. I've I've seen it many many times. Although not really, it's not something I saw when I was younger. I probably first saw it when I was about I don't know. I'm going to guess like 16 or something. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not like a childhood thing. Like I think a lot of people see it as a kid. Um, Darren, what about you? Yeah, I think I first watched it. I think me mum and dad were playing it in the living room. And with most things, I was walking the past, saw it, sat down and just got observed. <laughs> just they watched me watching the film instead. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't I wouldn't say this was a kid's film. No. Like these, the swearing and the violence and like... It's, the, it's like so the, dark. The abuse. Yeah. yeah, it's very dark. Especially the the original version as it was meant to be released um based on the stage show it, it gets really dark and tragic like uh, i don't know if i'd ever quite picked up on how bleak it is <laughs> until last night <laughs> yeah. honestly but um i don't know where to start really i i made a load of notes going through watching it last night um okay should we just start at the beginning of the film sure. okay so i guess off the bat this this was directed by frank oz who mm-hmm. is best known for being yoda Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Miss Piggy and Miss Piggy, yeah, close second. Miss Piggy, I would say. Yeah. Um, he, he's one of the big Jim Henson puppeteers, um, and so he's directed a few films. This oh, is yeah. the only one that's kind of passable. <laughs> <Would you like? laughs> um, let me think. Um... It's the only one I know of, so I. That's yeah. my answer there. I mean, I've seen it. No, I mean, he, he, he had a fairly successful career for a while. All right, I'm looking at his thing now, okay. Well, it, it says he's got The Dark Crystal, which obviously... Oh, I haven't seen that one. It was oh, not a huge success. Yeah. Muppets Take Manhattan. I always forget that he's done these films. Indian in the Cupboard, I've got a soft spot for that one. Bowfinger. Oh, yeah, God, yeah. Like <laughs> Bowfinger. Well, he's got Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which is pretty... Sort of a classic of its time. Mm. It's, it's slightly forgotten these days. What about Bob, which is a Bill Murray vehicle, which is okay. Uh, In and Out did pretty well. Oh, the Stepford Wives remake. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's what I'm judging him on. I, I think that death at a funeral film that I haven't seen but was slated. Um, well, yeah. He, he oh, did. hang on. I say it was slated. It's got 7.4 on IMDb. Take it back. <laughs> Are you thinking of the other death at a funeral? Maybe. Yeah, possibly. Are you thinking of a death at a funeral? <laughs> what, in real life? He's <laughs> <laughs> just there I'm with just... a camera film and a grieving family. <laughs> yeah. There was like a, there was a, there was like a, a black version, black death at a black funeral. That is funeral, the one I'm thinking like, of, yeah. A few years later, yeah, that was a different film. Oh, I thought that was Frank Oz. This changes everything. I've always thought <laughs> this was a bizarre blip on his career, and it shows him to be frankly an incredible director because i i think this film is the the directing like on show in this film is astounding i think it's one of the best examples of like directing a film that's ever happened frankly it's little shops yeah (laughs) i might be over (laughs) you're talking about stepford wives again oh no little little shop of horrors definitely not stepford wives (laughs) i don't want to disagree particularly but i think what this film lives and dies on is 
that plant, Audrey too, and the way that it's realised. Yeah. Uh, well, and the songs, of course. Him, I would have thought. <clears throat> I mean, I, I'm I'm assuming that's him well, bringing his puppeteering background to the film and and saying, I think we should approach it. I mean, it's him bringing his puppeteering colleagues to it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about how much involvement he had personally, but yeah. Well, from what I understand, at one point it had a sixty-man team operating it because it got because when it was at its biggest of oh, the huge room one. <laughs> and, and, yeah. But that's that's the sort of thing that I love about this film. I I genuinely like one of the points is I think the special effects in this film are astounding. There are things yeah. in this film. Oh where yeah, I don't know how they did it, and mm. I've looked it up, and I I know there's bits in the film where I know how they did it, and I watch it knowing that, it and still I still doesn't can't comprehend. comprehend <laughs> yeah. At. Yeah. It's it's astonishing, and the fact that there are parts of the film where there are sixteen men operating this one puppet, this animatronic plant, and they they shot it in slow motion. Um, yeah, uh, or rather, they shot it like slower, like sixteen frames a second or something like that. Well, well, no, they they performed it in slow motion yeah, realistically, yeah. but they they shot it at half frame rate so they could speed it up. Yeah, so they could actually make get the movements right. <laughs> but it doesn't, yeah. it, oh, doesn't it make such a big difference though? Because the way that plant talks, and because of the voice actor they've got, mm. and the the character it has, it's talking very quickly. Yeah, uh, and so it needs yeah. to have that speed, yeah. and and it works so perfectly. Yeah, and you you can't tell the footage is moving at. No. A quicker speed, either. Like I've watched a lot of, you know, I've seen enough Evil Dead to to know what that normally looks like in a film. <laughs> it, it's it's done so well here. The shot that always sticks out to me, the thing that I just cannot wrap my head around is. When, I know what you're gonna say. Can I? Can I guess what you're gonna yeah, say? Go for it. When you when it's just a still shot and you see it growing from a small yes. thing to a slightly bigger thing. After he, after he yeah. feeds the plant some of his yeah. blood for the first time, leaves the shot and it it goes. Like it's on the toilet and grows <laughs> before your eyes. It's it's amazing. Well, go on, tell yeah, us how really they did impressive. it because I read it and I didn't. I can't fathom how it works. So well, can you explain I, it? I I might be completely wrong here. What I've been told, but I don't know. I don't quite believe it. Again, watching it last night, I can't quite fathom. That's what I'm looking at. My understanding is that they built the potted plant. Uh, sorry, the the pot for the plant separate to the actual plant sticking out of it then yeah. there's a trick yeah. of perspective so that the plant is actually behind the pot but angled so mm-hmm. that it looks like it's in it yeah um, and then they've got it on a track yeah and then it's to do with moving the plant closer to the camera but pulling focus in this incredibly elaborate way so that it doesn't go out of focus so that as it comes closer to you it looks bigger and i it's just it's, it's honestly, it's some of the most mind-bending film <laughs> effects I've ever seen in anything. And it's beautiful, and it's and it's it's completely seamless. Yeah, and 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 all yeah. these shots are like, there's um there's no digital effects, it's all practical stuff. Mm. Uh, like, and and little things like when it, the plants has these vines that kind of are used as fingers and for things. Yeah, and like it picks up a telephone yeah. and dials the phone. And like looking at it, you just think, oh yeah, it's like he's using it his hands. But then you think about it, like how dexterous the movement of that yeah. is. It's like even if it's someone just like using a a three foot long stick and trying to do it. Yeah, it's like have you ever tried to get a coin out of one of those little change bits in a phone with your actual <laughs> human hands? It's not enough with real fingers, let alone. But but I think beyond just looking amazing, there's so much character 
in the plan as well and the movements even before hmm. it gets big and mm-hmm. like all the smirks yeah like yeah, the, the yeah, bit yeah. very early on there's a scene where um it's desperate to bite this woman's ass that's bent over in <laughs> and there's yeah. so much personality in the plant there it's like this little mischievous dog or something and it's looking back to make sure that he's not being watched and <laughs> yeah. then it's like oh i'm gonna get it and all that, all that personality achieved without eyes, which is yeah, actually really yeah. quite yeah, a significant thing to be missing in terms of yeah, character. Mm. One of my favourite effects in it is after he's called up Audrey and he's like, hello. <laughs> and she's like, oh, Seymour. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, it ain't Seymour, it's me. And then she's looking through the window <laughs> and the vines pull away and you just see him like, Bobbing his head, smiling, her, <laughs> trying to like give her that come hither mouth. Yeah, I love, I love that bit when he when he's waiting for her to answer and he's tapping the the vines like. Oh like yeah, it's so good. Uh, oh, what are they called in this film? Do you know the the sort of there's like a Greek chorus of uh, soul singers that. Yeah, well, they don't oh, have a. Yeah. Th- I don't think they have a group name, but their 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 names are taken from like sixties. Mm. Uh, girl groups. What are they? Chris, Chiffon, Renette, and Crystal. Something? One of them yeah. is definitely Renette. Yeah, I get. Like I, I love them in this film. Now it, it it's become a kind of trope in musicals to have that sort of Greek chorus. Greek chorus done yeah. as as soul singers, and Hercules yeah. is the most obvious example. You go, girl. We are the muses, goddesses of the arts, and proclaimers of heroes. Heroes like Hercules. Honey, you mean Hercules. <laughs> I'd like to make some sweet music. Our story actually begins long before Hercules, many eons ago. Back when the world was new. Did anything do this before that this is cribbing, or is Hercules just ripping off Little Shop of Horrors? Was Hercules Alan Menken as well? Because maybe it was just him thinking, Ah, uh, that worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, um, um, the Greek chorus thing is obviously a, from classic classic Greek. Yeah, yeah, obviously. I mean, Hercules yeah. made it into a full-blown pun. But making this... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a Greek... But making this... Oh, it, is, it did say he did uh, score for Hercules, yeah. <laughs> no new ideas. Uh, making this, the basically this this show, using music of Motown, soul, that mm. sort of thing, yeah. that was relatively new. I mean, I, I'm sure it had been done before, but certainly this is the first mainstream thing that did that. I mean, mm. Blues Brothers has a lot of that. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hairspray had like one or two, I think. But not in terms of having like a Greek chorus that are a, are a narrative element and like uh, they come in and tell the story and like they break the fourth wall and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't, not that I know of. I'm no expert, but I think that might be a, a new <laughs> thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I I love I love that device in this film, just having the like you said, the sort of Greek chorus figures, these narrators just taking you through the story, but they're singing that Dadu song. I think is the the best Dadu. example of using it because they're actually telling Dadu. the story in flashback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's just such a playful way to use it. I mean, they have quite a few songs that's basically just them singing over a montage, but that's the real highlight for me. One of my few complaints about the film is that once Audrey 2 kind of really kicks in, the Greek chorus kind of get forgotten about until at the end. You know, they're sort of telling the story, and then it's just like, oh, look, we can put them in the chorus for this song that someone else is doing. But Yeah, that's uh, fair. But, you know, fair enough, you've got to wait it towards Audrey Mm. too. But my other complaint is that 
to be honest, I wanted more of Audrey too. I wanted more interaction. I wanted more of that personality to come through. And I appreciate the, the practicalities they were dealing with. But yeah. Yeah, because the voice actor, Stubbs, was amazing. Yeah. 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 He, 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 he's again, dead, by the way. We, we've established that in a previous episode. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't relevant. It doesn't matter why. When did we establish that? <laughs> I can't remember, but... <laughs> I can't, it was a few months ago, but somehow we got onto the topic and we talked about it. I don't know. But then that all got cut out of the episode. But Calvin ended the episode by going, Levi Stubbs, dead. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and I left that in, even though I'd cut out the previous conversation. <laughs> I can't remember what episode it was. But <laughs> oh, dear. Quality product that we're putting out. <laughs> It's like an announcement. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a great, a great performance. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's such a big part as to why this is great. He's a singer, you know, they got him on because oh, he's yeah, a singer. He's of the four tops. But he brings... So much personality yeah. to it in, in, in the yeah. character as well. I mean, obviously it should have been Eddie Murphy, but we can't, can't have everything, can we? <laughs> don't, don't tempt me, Alan. <laughs> Seymour! <laughs> Feed me, Seymour! <laughs> oh, Audrey too! Audrey, Audrey, Audrey! Yeah! I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. And when a girl walks in with an itty bitty waist and a round thing in your face, you get feelings. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I mean, yeah, talking about the cast, I, the cast in this film is just, I think, incredible throughout. Rick Moranis mm-hmm. is a goddamn treasure. <laughs> yeah. This might yeah. be the best role of his career. I, mm. I can't think of anything better than this that he did yeah and actually by rick moranis's standards this is quite underplayed <laughs> like he's not yeah like it because as a film it's very over the top and ridiculous but he's yeah. the closest we've got to a straight man uh, uh, you know? yeah. he's the normal person a very meek man very reserved man mm. Mm. yeah he's like a shy little nerd loser um but yeah a like, plant nerd. yeah but because the world is so weird he has our central focus point it has to be slightly normal compared to the rest of them um and he plays it really really well like it is and it's not acting so much but his his singing ability is remarkably good like you wouldn't have thought to look at him he'd be a good singer but he's really quite good (laughs) he's got some real range it's the song where Audrey 2 is tempting him to kill the dentist. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know. It's the bit where he really goes for it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I have so, so many strong reservations. Yeah, that that's the bit where you can tell he knows like 
Uh, there's like there's almost this little smirk to it where he's thinking like ah this is the bit where everyone's gonna go oh he can sing <laughs> you know when you know, when uh, Ricky Gervais showed up in that Muppet movie and he had the same exact thing. Oh, I can see it's just a matter of time before he's gone and I'm at the front of the line. It won't be long till I get my chance, but in the meantime I've got to dance, monkey dance. <laughs> you can just tell everyone's going. Oh wow, Ricky Gervais can sing. Okay. Oh wow, <laughs> he's always got a bit of a smugness to him, though, Ricky Gervais. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Rick Moranis doesn't have that natural smug aura. Like everyone just wants to love smug him. Smug aura. And, yeah. <laughs> oh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Ellen Green playing Audrey. Oh who my god, Ellen Green! Basically, she incredible. she originated the role and, and played it for five years or whatever it was on. Oh on, really? Off, off Broadway. Yeah, she was the first Audrey. I've seen like other attempts at or heard other attempts at playing the role, and none of them really. Her Stop. take on the character is really quite weird and unusual. Yeah. In some, it, it seems like on paper a really obvious thing to do, but there's something about how she does it. And I, I think it's largely just that she's kind of been cast against type, almost. Like, she, she's she got quite a deep, rounded voice, I think, naturally, compared to, to yeah. the one she's putting on. So Yeah, when she's singing, it all fully comes out. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's one song in particular where the range just drops and they, they both like, yeah. go suddenly see more. It's really, like, nice, and it offers such a unique, like, flavour in the songs when you've kind of got different people singing, and then she'll come in, and it's... I think she's amazing in this, and... But, like, I've heard other people do it, and they go for just the very conventional, high-pitched, squeaky, stereotypical bimbo kind of way of playing it, and there's something more to what she's doing here, and I can't quite put my finger on it, but I I think she's amazing, And, and I think it's amazing that she isn't a bigger deal frankly because yeah i mean i take it she was more of a stage actor and probably still yeah she's mu- musical actor, theater but... she's done lots of tv and film and stuff i was looking her up nothing major that i'm aware yeah. of but definitely lots of credits there yeah she originated the role uh, and then when they took it off broadway they yeah she was doing it then Mm. um i don't know if she left that because i know she was also when they when they opened it on the west end a couple of years later she she did the role again so it did seem like they were like every other cast member they changed didn't care but she was the one that they stuck with and then in the film as well like she's the only one of the uh, cast in the film it's like when they do an american remake of an english show and they always try and keep one hello it have you tried turning it off and on again (laughs) okay well the button on the side is it glowing yeah, we're going to need to turn it on. Well, you just press it. Do you have fingers? Hello, IT. Yaha. Have you tried forcing an unexpected reboot? There you go. No, there you go. I just heard it come on. And Robert Llewellyn goes over and does it. <laughs> oh, excuse me, sirs. I'm looking for Captain Tao. I appear to be a little lost. You're a robot, right? 
It shows? <laughs> Only to the trained eye. God, what kind of robot are you? You look like a gigantic novelty condom. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Robert Llewellyn and Red Dwarf. Oh, Danny John Jules is in the film. He is, yeah, a little cameo. Is he used to be a dancer professionally, didn't he? So he's basically just doing. Wait, a... the cat. Yeah, yeah. Dwayne Dibley. He's one of the chorus, like Skid Row people. He is the guy who goes. Good for you. <laughs> oh, awesome! I didn't realize that was him. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. not. It's not. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it after this now. Play, yeah. It's... He's doing a little clicking fingers and yeah. Yeah, you oh, see him in yeah. the background a couple of times. Yeah. Who else is in this? Uh, John Candy. John Candy turned up as the yeah. wacky radio DJ. Woo woo woo! Ding 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 ding. Which I liked that. That just seemed like nicely taking the piss. Yeah. Um, well, which actually raises a question for me. Like, when is this film set? Because it's mm. it's not it's not defined. Yeah, that's a very good question. It feels very sixties. Yeah, it was written for the 60s and then released in the 80s. Yeah, well, it says at the start uh, a decade not long before our time or something. Oh, does so it? They're clearly oh, intentionally, but... yeah, in the opening narration. So they're clearly going for a kind of timeless, not quite any specific time feel. But my guess yeah. is it's 1960, the year the first film came out. Yeah. I mean, I think the musical influences are 60s, but like more like 64, 65. Like they had time to develop that a bit. But then there's 50s elements in there that are far more of the 50s. That... Yeah, there's a lot of Americana, like uh, somewhere that's green. Is that like the house style. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Stepford Wives. And uh, <laughs> the Elvish ish dentist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the motorbike, leather, bi- uh, leather jacket. A leather bike. Leather bike wouldn't work. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, yeah. The song "Somewhere That's Green" that Audrey sings. It's it's basically her fantasy about living a kind of normal Americana life. I love that song because, firstly, it's actually genuinely quite touching. Oh God, yeah. Um, yeah. And in a, but at the same time, sarcastic. It's like, yeah, it's mocking Americana and that 1950s yeah. lifestyle. But yeah. she is not mocking it. The song is, and but the character She's is completely it. sincere. But we're also yeah. not taking the piss out of the character. It's a, it's a really delicate balance, but that actually yeah. plays perfectly. You, you still haven't seen the Book of Mormon, have you, Alan? No. There's one of those exact same um, tightrope walks in that where one of the characters sings a song about, um, and she sings about dreaming of going off to Salt Lake City, where this Mormon guy's from, and you know. I can imagine what it must be like this perfect, happy place. I bet the good meat there is plentiful, and they have vitamin injections by the case. The warlords there are friendly. They help you cross the street. And there's a red cross on every corner with all the flour you can eat. Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree. Um, Somewhere that's green is something that's... When I was younger, it wasn't quite catchy and upbeat enough for me, and it always felt like a lull in the film, but... 
I've I've really come to appreciate it now because it, it is just such a yeah. nice bit of character and it is quite like beautiful in its own tragic yeah. way and I've got a really guilty pleasure for oh. the Family Guy cover. <laughs> <laughs> it, like I shouldn't like it, but God, it's so. That good. is a really good cover, like because it does work really <laughs> yeah. well. The other thing I was going to say is that the 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 vocal performance here to do a song like that in this character voice plays it completely perfectly. Yeah. The yeah. So the other the other major character. Well, we have got Mister Mushnick. I've really got a lot. To oh say yeah, about he's, him, to be yeah, he's there. He's, he does yeah. it well. Well, Mr. Mushnick role in the in the stage play is a bit bigger. It's got yeah, a couple, there's more. A couple of songs. Yeah, I was going to say the um, songs that are cut from this that are on the stage. How would you like to be my son? How would you like to be my own adopted boy? I never liked him much before, but count the cash that's in the drawer. I got no choice of much to pour. Say yes. What for? See more. I want to be your dad. I want to see you climbing up my family tree. I used to think you left the stage, but now I see that you're immense, so I'm proposing be my son. Moshnik and son. There's a whole storyline where he adopts uh, Seymour as his son and, and all this sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think they obviously consciously took that character down a notch just because they had to make they had to make some choices, you know. You've got to cut stuff when you turn a stage show into a film because otherwise it ends up being like three hours long. And yeah, yeah and I think they made the right decisions here, honestly, because I don't miss any of the songs that are gone. Basically, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. they took all the worst songs out, left all the good ones in. It's great, streamlined. Yeah, should we mention Bill Murray? Have you got anything to say about Bill Murray? I've got a friend who looks very much like him. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm I'm fine with it. It just feels like, oh, we know Bill Murray, and he said he'll yeah. come in and improv this scene for us. Let's do that. And I, it, it yeah, just it feels fairly pointless. For me, all the big cameo scenes, the John Candy one and the Bill Murray one, just feel like a little yeah. bit of a break, like, like on the nose. Sort yeah, of thing. like you just you can't help but be taken out of the film when they show up. Uh, I'm all right with the John Candy one. At least it's plot relevant and. Uh, whereas this one, it does feel like a complete sideline. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not necessary. At all. I mean, it's it's there as an homage to the original film. It's the fact yeah. that that was Jack Nicholson in the original film, and they <laughs> wanted to get another big name in. You know, most people don't like to go to the dentist, but I rather enjoy it myself. Don't you? <laughs> I mean, there's such there's a real feeling of growth of of <laughs> progress when that that old drill goes in. I mean. I'd almost rather go to the dentist than anywhere, wouldn't you? Yeah. Now, no Novocaine. It dulls the senses. <laughs> this is gonna hurt you more than it is me. Oh, goody, goody, here it comes. <laughs> oh, my God, don't stop now! Not that Jack Nicholson was a big name at the time. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice nod, and it's not in the it's not in the musical, is it? That that's little section. It's not in the. Yeah. Uh, so playing the dentist uh, is Steve Martin. Yeah, a special appearance by Steve Martin. When I was younger, just a pair of years, my mama noticed funny things I did, like shooting puppies with a BB gun. I'd poison guppies, and when I was done. I'd find a pussy cat bashed its head. That's when my mama said. What did she say? She said, my boy, I think so.
Yeah, I mean, I guess he was a pretty big. He was a pretty big deal at yeah. the time. Eighty-six. Mm. He was a big star. Do, do you guys like Steve Martin? Because what in this film or ever? Just in general. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I always get him mixed up with um, the guy from Naked Gun, Leslie Nielsen. Oh, Leslie <laughs> Just because they got white hair, you're racist. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Mix him up with uh, the Colonel as well. <laughs> But yeah, I was asking, like, when we were watching the film, I was talking to my wife, and I was saying to her, oh, he's in Naked Gun, isn't he? She was like, no, that's Leslie <laughs> I was like, oh, of course. Oh, but he is in Night at the Museum. She was like, that's Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> Completely wrong person. Again, another man with white hair. <laughs> another one who's 30 years older than me. <laughs> oh, God. He's got black hair in this film. Yeah. We've never really, um, we've never discussed Steve Martin. I don't think we've ever done anything with Steve Martin in. Well, yeah, why would we? <sighs> yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but that's it. Like in, in the 80s, Steve, Steve Martin was massive. He was a huge star. He was like Chevy Chase. It's yeah. just kind of gone. But Steve Martin was a big star. And I've never been particularly fond of him as an actor or his comedy. But there's a lot of those films in the 80s that are perfectly good comedy films. Oh, yeah. Is it, I mean, he's fine in things. Yeah. But here in this film, I don't particularly like him. I think mm. he's miscast. It, f- it feels too much like someone doing a big comedy character, which this film obviously yeah. has, but it's it, it, yeah, this film definitely. manages to control that most of the time, and he feels out of place. I think his dentist sequence is amazing. I'll, I'll go into it in more detail in the a bit. The song and dance, but, yeah. Yeah, but I think it's kind of in spite of the fact that they cast him. I, I always... I always wish that they swapped him and Bill Murray round. Bill Murray's not as good at singing, I don't think, but, you know, he likes <laughs> to try. necessities <laughs> but the, you know what the problem is I think that Steve Martin is not cool and he can't play cool yeah. and I think that dentist has to <laughs> has to come across as yes he's an asshole but do you know what he's got that leather jacket he's cool and when he yeah. comes off the bike he's just it's like it's got to be like the Fonz he's an know? asshole but he's an asshole you wanted to be friends with <laughs> yeah. yeah like you needed Tyler Durden we're talking about this a few weeks ago <laughs> yeah 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 I, I agree. I, I think it would be better if he was menacing as well. And there's one thing Steve Martin is not. It's, it's menacing. <laughs> it's menacing. I don't know. I'm trying to think of other people in the 80s. Like, who was on Saturday Night Live at the time who could have done it? Uh... <laughs> Phil, Phil Hartman? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can he... I mean, if he can sing. No, I... Oh, he can sing. He can sing! Yeah, but yeah, so Steve Martin's a bit of a weak link for me in the film. Yeah. But it's not bad. I, I do love that scene, though. It, it sells the character. This is something I don't tend to talk about on the podcast, because it's probably really boring, but I'm going to bring it up oh, here. I think the sound okay. mix is amazing <laughs> in this film. Um, 
it's all the songs are mixed very differently to if you were to just listen to the soundtrack as I often do. Um, okay. But I think it is a remarkable job of selling it as songs really happening in the moment. It there's only one or two little moments where it feels like it's been dubbed in. Yeah. Uh, one of which is Danny John Jules. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the vast majority of the time, it feels like these are actually the individual people on screen singing. Singing it yeah. as they are walking and moving around. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah, there's like lots of nice, you know, bits where the sound levels go up and down, and there's like, you know, sound like the bit in Skid Row when the people are trying to claw their way through the, the fence, for example, the mix goes completely different. And it, it's... Oh, like a zombie film. Someone show me a way to get out of here. Because I constantly pray I'll get out of here. Please won't somebody say I'll get out of here. Someone give me my shot or I'll rot here. Downtown, and I will. I'll get out of here. Downtown, I'll start climbing uphill and get out of here. Someone tell me I still could get out of here. Someone tell me luck that I'm stuck here. I think it's great, and I think it's a big part as to why the film works, because we haven't really mentioned yet, but it's very clearly shot no. on a studio set. I've mm. got I've got a good little um, tidbit about this, oh, about yeah. sound dubbing. Oh, is well. the, the very first lady who's coming up when she's singing about being on Skid Row. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been wildly disclaimed that it wasn't actually her singing it. It was one of the other of the three, uh, you know, like Crystal Ricketts yeah, yeah. or whatever. It was one of those girls dubbed over her, but it wasn't. It was actually her. She was oh. a stage singer, oh, and wow. this was her last film she was in as well. She passed away after this. Mm. Oh. But yeah, that's that's cool. I I um I just think it's a really remarkable job and it it does a lot to sell this as a real world that you're watching because as I say it's it's so clearly shot on a studio set but I think they do an incredible job of sort of leaning into that and making it work. It feels deliberate, yeah. Yeah, and and whilst it could have so easily felt like a, a very flat film, a lot of films based on stage shows just feel really flat, like you're watching it from an audience. Like they are on the stage. Yeah, yeah. like the camera's in the audience and you're just looking forward. Whereas this film, the camera's all over the place. It's like, you, you feel yeah. like the, the cameraman must be getting tired, like running around trying to get all these different shots. That's obviously not how films are made, but it's, it's tiring <laughs> to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I think they actually had a crane. On a crane, really? <laughs> yeah, they had to be double craned. <laughs> double crane. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Quite stylish. And maybe I. Frasier, yeah, double crane. Frasier and Niles. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads. No, that's 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 really cool. Actually, that's really cool. They're calling again. So that's the sort of thing I love in in this kind of film. I love hearing about the the yeah. mad production specifics <laughs> they have to come up with. There's such a sense of depth that scene we were just talking about with yeah. the the first woman who kicks off the skid row. 
uh, song, she's like right at the back of that alleyway and the camera comes around and watches her walk all yeah. the way down towards the camera. And there's there's people down in the cars road. walking by behind her on the street in the background. There's like constant movement. That It's, yeah, I think it's just... It's like a technical exercise in like choreographing a film yeah. and making it look. It, it it's such a good job. So I mean, who's that? The third AD. Good on you, third AD. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you There's are. only one scene on that which I wasn't keen on. It's the suddenly Seymour song where you follow him coming down the alley, and then it's all walking around the bricks, and then they're up the stairs singing to each other. And I'm like, this is really well filmed. And then they pan while they're singing into the um, into the site, the sunset, and it's just a bl- little a canvas with a shitty sunlight scribbled on. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's a stage. <laughs> yeah, that, that background lets it down. <laughs> yeah, I expected it to be like a kid's drawing, like the fucking Teletubbies face is on it's the sort of thing that could be self-indulgent and ridiculous, but this is a film that has a shot from inside someone's mouth at one point, looking out. <laughs> oh, the dentist song, Amazing. yeah. Amazing. It, it's never in Congress. It always feels like the natural best decision for where the camera should be. And and, and again, that, that shot from inside the mouth, not only <laughs> is it like an incredibly, like, remarkably good bit of special effects work. It looks like a real tongue, but they, they just built a massive mouth to go in front of the camera. Yeah, it's gross as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that. I like that when I look at that, I can I know exactly what's going on. I can see the practical effect. And like, yeah. you can even see that the yeah. tool that Steve Martin's holding is like, is projected to be bigger <laughs> at the head yeah. than it is in where he's holding <laughs> yeah. it. That's it, it's warped perspective, yeah. Should we should we talk about the darkness of this film because it's really cartoony and silly on the surface and it it's almost like a kids yeah. film superficially but it's got like as we mentioned it's got such a dark streak running through it. Oh, well God, the, the, yeah. the hero the protagonist murders people <laughs> to yeah. feed to to a monster. Every little detail like like the kid in the dentist song in his chair when he's singing. Oh There's yeah. Some Really, like, that kid sounds seriously in pain. Your temperament's wrong for the priesthood And teaching would suit you still less Sound me a dentist You'll be a success It's again, sound mix is amazing. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then and then you've got Audrey, who is this tragic, tragic character who yeah. um, wants this life that she basically, well, I guess she could have had, but not really, because yeah, you know, the guy she's sort of got a thing for still like a murderer <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the nice the nice alternative option um being beaten by the the guy she's with and you know her aspirations being with a man who kills people for plants yeah. it's it's just she has low self-esteem man it's just so sad and all her songs reflect that and then you know yeah. the original ending of this film is 
I mean, the true ending, I'd say, it's the end of the world and everyone dies and it's the yeah. apocalypse. That's basically mankind <laughs> doomed. And and I guess we should probably talk about the, the two different endings here. Cause, um, you certainly should. I just want to quickly interject that she was a bit of a shit florist. <laughs> <laughs> well, because she just threw glitter on the loose. <laughs> yeah, she got... I counted them. There was five lilies in a vase with a black bow. She sprayed them with glue and threw glitter on them. <laughs> Uh, well, what would you? What would you do for a funeral? <laughs> put some googly eyes on. Did you just say you'd put googly eyes on them, or did I? Did I, <laughs> did I mishear that? I'm sorry for your loss. Shake the flowers. Yeah, this will cheer you up in this dark time. Uh, th- this film was a classic case of uh, test screenings ruining it, which I think used to happen more than it seems to nowadays um but the classic thing was you'd have a film with a bit of a sad ending and test audiences would go oh i didn't like that depressing ending we want a happy ending when we go to the movies and then they yeah. reshoot the ending and ruin the film uh the other one that springs to mind for me is army of darkness which you know isn't ruined but it's certainly not as good as it would have been with the director's cut ending but this film i would say is actually ruined i think by the theatrical ending the the one that they reshot i think it completely mm, yeah. undermines the point of the film it, it it neuters it it completely like defangs it and it's contrived nonsense how it ties up at the end it's like this complete deus ex machina that he just happens to be able to it just electrocutes <laughs> yeah it. and it, it it does make it makes a it doesn't it doesn't give you a very satisfying moral lesson well, that's, that's <laughs> like, the, yeah that's like the as we were talking about the it. protagonist is does some pretty terrible things yeah so if you're listening to this if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it um broad strokes plot is basically this guy finds his plan it's an alien and it it needs like human blood and flesh blood basically to survive yeah. Uh, it convinces this guy to feed it and go out and find blood to keep it going. Because he's finding money and fame as a result of this amazing plan. Um, and then at the end of the film, uh, basically it eats Audrey. She, she, as she's dying, says, oh god, I, I just let the plant eat me because I'm dying and I can do one nice thing for you in death. That's tragic in of its, itself. It ends up eating the protagonist, uh, a Seymour. Then it, it turns out the buddings have been taken from the plant and distributed around the world as a product. Around the world. Hundreds of these things are now growing. They end up going on a big King Kong Godzilla style rampage, eating people, destroying the planet, and everyone on Earth is gonna die. And that's an amazing ending, uh, but <laughs> people thought it was too depressing and changed it, so instead, he grabs a wire and electrocutes the plant, and it doesn't eat either of them, and the plant <laughs> blows up, and then they get married, and that's it. They have a, the happy ever ending. Well, okay. Let me let me say my my two cents here. Obviously, the I watched the theatrical ending first. That's how I experienced the film at first, and probably didn't even know that it had been changed. It works on a very superficial level. It's like, oh yeah, it saves the day, and it's like everyone's yeah. happy. 
And and I so I think yeah. yeah I think walking away from it as an audience and why that played better with an audience is because you walk away with a happy ever after right yeah now the theatrical the um, original ending works better on a on a thematic level but it is too long yes. like the fucking scene of the King Kong plants rampaging mm. the city like I think if you just cut that down by about eight minutes <laughs> then. People would have walked away going, "Oh, right, yeah, that was a cool ending." Where I think they, were, I think the negative reaction was not because of a, a happy ever after; it was just because they were bored. <laughs> because oh, it's just too ending. fucking long. I love it. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, you can maybe trim like a minute of it, but it's so long. I love it. I love it. I, for me, it's it's almost this joke of like it just keeps going. It's like sideshow Bob stepping on rakes. It's <laughs> it's like you think, you think, oh god, it's eating a train. Oh my god, it ate the train. Now what? <laughs> what the army's coming in? They must have spent all the budget at this point. Oh no, look, there's a full army coming in and shooting <laughs> at them. It, it just keeps. It's eating the Empire State Building. Yeah. And, and the scale of that ending is astounding. Like, to say you've just watched the whole film, and it is, like, the very, very ending, and the it's like the budget's just, like, doubled all of a sudden. It, it's yeah. You've got, like, several gigantic uh, Audrey 2 plants at once. It it's uh, We spoke on our uh, King Kong episode, I want to say, about one of the little things that really does it for me in a film is if you have just a big monster climbing up a, a skyscraper and, and this ending delivers that in well with, with great success there's several of them the, the bit the shot of it climbing on the uh that bridge and the bridge is kind of like yeah. flapping around oh it's amazing but yeah. I, I you know i think beyond <laughs> beyond me being someone who loves a dark ending and, and also i love that final <laughs> song uh, don't feed the plants which is obviously cut from the theatrical happy version. There's more to it than that. It, it's more than uh, thematically this guy's getting away with murder. There, there's the tragic story of, of Audrey as well yeah. and she th- there's this real bittersweet conclusion for her character because she basically it's this tragic person being put out of their misery. That's kind of what the, <laughs> the original film gets. Yeah. It's, it's almost happy that she's finally not suffering anymore it's mm. it's really <laughs> yeah. fucking bleak but it works and it's mm. a fitting way for this film to kind of conclude and that's gone as well <laughs> like it, it to just paint over it with this like fairy tale romance it just isn't satisfying yeah I, I like the bit where he feeds it to the plant feeds her sorry to the plant and it is that is just a truly tragic moment, and then he basically runs away to commit suicide, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, which is yeah pretty dark. <laughs> but yeah. like I like that it worked. But I could done with that then him you know trying to destroy the plant doesn't work. Oh and look here, guess what happened? They took over the world. Thirty second montage done. Like the yeah. it's the nine minute montage that gets me. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how how long is it? Did you actually time? I don't know how long it is now, but it felt very long. I couldn't believe it was still going. That's that's how long it was. A good fix to that would be doing the montage over the credits. Oh, you know what? Yeah. That would have been perfect. Yeah, you could be, you yeah. Could be onto something there. I I think the ending that we see as the director's cut ending is a rough cut ending. I think that's what was shown to test audiences. 
before they tightened up the edit fully, because obviously edits take a long time and go through various stages. And I think the version we've got is a version that they stopped working on. So I think, honestly, yeah. had this film re- been released with that ending, they probably would have lost, like, a minute or two. And, and I should add, I'm almost certain it's longer than the song is on the stage. Because um, <laughs> that's one of the few instances where I prefer the original Broadway recording or original cast recording. Mm. Well, the, the, another thing I want to raise about this is, is the fact that this comes from, yeah, the theatrical show... And I think having that ending in a theatrical show works where it doesn't, particularly in a film. Yeah, that's what I was going to say before as well. Well, Frank Oz uh, has been quoted as saying, like, he, the, what he learned from this was that, you know, when you go to see a theatre show, you see, you see the heroes being killed at the end. And then two minutes later, they come out and have a bow and everyone's like, oh, yeah, great, great. Whereas in the film, when they die, they're dead. And you walk away with them dead. No. Now, I think that's yeah. true. I think he's been a bit too specific. I, I, all it is is that theatre is much less real. It's it's much more in the moment and we understand what it is, especially a show like this, which is quite silly. As all film is, there's a there's a realism to it. And I think that makes that yeah. dark ending much darker. I mean, I, I agree. I just like that it's darker. I, th- I want things <laughs> to be darker yeah, yeah. and more. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, Mean Green Mother from Outer Space, the song at the end. When, <laughs> the original uh, song. when he confronts Audrey 2. Audrey 2 and uh, Seymour have a fight. Written for Oscar consideration. Yeah, there's a there's a thing that happens whenever a musical is adapted to film where they write a new song so that they're eligible for the Oscars. That's pretty much... Uh, they always yeah. try and say, oh, it's because, you know, we... We, uh, we can explore new ground within this film that you couldn't do on the stage. And it's like, no, you just want to... You're just no, grabbing an Oscar. it's because you aren't a big gold man. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, it, it's... It's usually done really badly. It's usually the weakest song in, in the film and, like, noticeably shit compared to everything else, <laughs> even though they generally get the original people back to write the song. Yeah. But... For whatever reason, they came back and wrote a song here, and it was fantastic. It's a brilliant, brilliant song. Stands up there, one of the best songs in the film, even. It's um, yeah. a rare example of that working. This might be one of the earliest examples of that as well. I can't think of any other musicals having a song added in just for the Oscars before this. But then there might have been, I don't know. That. Well, I wanted to ask about this, actually. and uh, You two guys might be the people to ask. Where does this film fall in terms of the sort of history and evolution of musical films? Because, I mean, I, after this film, I mean, not including Disney, which is sort of a different thing, like, I can't think of anything up until, yeah. like, Chicago. Like, what? And, and I can't think of much in, this, in the 80s that was doing this kind of classic musical style. Well, you, you've reminded yeah. me that I, uh, I had a musical game to play that I completely forgot to set up, so oh, I'm now running what? around doing that. <laughs> but, but no, I, I think it's... You'll you'll hear people complain about this who care very much about their stage musicals, 
it's quite a common thing now that, you know, the, the same way people lament how, oh, every film made nowadays is a remake or a sequel, you get people complaining that every single stage musical or stage play, not always musicals, is based on a film. It, you know, if you walk down the, the West End at the moment, or Broadway, I imagine, it's like, yeah, every other show, probably more than half, more, is based more, on Yeah, a film. much more, yeah. Or, yeah. Well, oh, if not a film, then it's a jukebox musical, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the other one, I guess. Based on some other very noticeable <laughs> pop culture, reference. yeah. But I think, yeah, I I think this is the the first notable example of that. I I would point to this as I might be completely wrong in doing so, but I would point to this as the first or kind of the the thing that started it. And frankly, I'm all for it. I think everything should be turned into a musical. <laughs> But this this wasn't like oh this is a really good well known film let's cash in on it it was just obscure f- why yeah. they picked it I don't know it's, yeah. it's it's a different thing like the the classic your MGM musicals that fifties style sound of music all that sort of stuff had died off and there was this yeah. period in the seventies and eighties like Grease uh, Rocky Horror Little Shop of Horrors like these small scale musicals that just started off Broadway as this little sort of cult show and, and built enough to get a, a bigger show. And then they did a film adaptation that was really successful. And, and now they're, they're these cult classics. Well, not even cult, like Grease is not cult classic, is it? It's pretty mainstream. But if you watch Grease, it's really, you can tell it's from a, uh, from a low place, if, if you know what I mean, because it's dirty, it's, it's raw. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. And, and the same way that, Little Shop Horrors is very dark, or you know, Rocky Horror obviously is a is a very dark and and sexualized thing. These things are not. Well, it's not Stephen Sondheim, is it? It's not Rodgers and Hammerstein. This is this is a different type of thing, and it was this this period where that seemed to be happening, mm. and it and they got enough success. Um, but then, yeah, it didn't it, did it die off? I, I I can't think of any more examples. Um, particularly, I'm not. It's not my area of expertise. I've got my game ready now. Oh good. Oh. Basically, I, I'm a connoisseur of musical theatre. I, I love a good musical. Uh, I've got a load of audio clips here of songs from stage musicals based on films. And I'm going to play them and I want to see if you guys can guess what the films that the oh, musicals God. are based on are. So these are stage musicals based on films and we have to figure out what film was the inspiration. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Just cool. Cool. But yeah, here we go. Remember that story I learned at your feet. Well, now it's my turn. Take a seat. Two little mice of great renown fell in some milk, and one proceeded to drown. The other one still toast. Up Hang on, is this Meet the Fockers? <laughs> <laughs> is this uh, is this Meet the Parents even? Uh, meet the Fockers. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> why, why have you, oh, yeah, why have you come where to Where did that? that come from? <laughs> it was because um, he tells that story. Does he? Two little mice. Uh, no, that's Christopher Walken. Oh man, it? you've you've got it, but it's not that film. You've got the right film, two but you put the wrong name. Fall, fall into a, a yeah milk. Yeah. Oh fuck! No, that's as much as I can remember now. Oh, I mean, I've got to I've got to give you a point for that because you have. Oh no! I've got it. It's um. Now you. Now you see me, no, catch me if you can. Yes, yes, yes! Uh, yeah. Catch me if you can. I am impressed with that. Wow. Yeah. Oh, nice. I wouldn't have Man. bought that. <laughs> that is remarkable. Well done. Yeah, that's um, it's Thank from you. the Catch Me If You Can musical with music by Mark Shaman. 
based on the film, based on real life. Uh, one point to Darren. I'll be the Joker of crime. Yeah, they're doing Pokemon, aren't they? That is 100% the Pokemon movie. <laughs> um, I, I'll give you that. It's, uh, it is, it's the Pokemon musical, which was based on the TV series. Pokemon Live, I think it was called. Uh, and it's notable because, um, although this particular recording is just the people who did the voice on the, the cartoon. Uh, the guy who did the role of James on the stage show is Andrew Reynolds, who's gone on to be, like, Broadway darling, one of the big, big, like, mm. stage actors, uh, the lead guy in Book of Mormon, among other things. So, yeah. Let's have the next one. It's not as if you're intending to make them out to be fools. All I'm proposing is bending those tight parental rules. And that's a job which calls for special tools. You bend it, bend it, truth can take it. Bend it, bend it, that's a fake it. Don't say I snogged my dishy cow. <laughs> can I have a guess? Yes. Well... Distinctly British accents, which narrows yes. it down quite a bit. Yes. And about getting away from teenage problems. Uh, is it Bend It Like Beckham? Yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, <laughs> I've never no seen that, way. but there's so many much reference to bending. That <laughs> bend it, bend it. What a, yeah, it's a shite. Uh, I've only listened to the soundtrack and it's shit. Uh, written by Howard... <laughs> oh, God, what's his name? Howard Goodall. That oh one. god, he, he knows better. I know the guy who composed every British sitcom theme tune for the last thirty years and is capable of much better than that show. Uh, right, <laughs> next. You're a woman now. Pray to heaven for your wicked soul. Oh, Carrie. The raven came yes. Oh, oh, oh you're drawing now. <laughs> That is from Carrie, the musical. <laughs> that was straight away yeah. as well. I can see Carrie working as a musical. Yeah, I I, I'd really like to see that, actually. I think it would work like, Catch well. Me If You Can just seems like a completely arbitrary choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Life is just so Christmassy, it's hard to grow up callous. Who could look at Elf? Is it Elf? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> wow. Alan, you, you're losing again. He's, he's overtaking you with an extra point there. That's three to Darren. Yeah, that is from Elf, the musical, which is surprisingly alright, musically. Um, they did a TV, like, animated remake that was a musical last year or something, with, like, completely different songs, bizarrely, instead of just using these ones, but, yeah. Got so much that stares in my way, but like they say, you gotta keep fighting. That's Electric Six, isn't it? 
shocked and appalled when you find out what that is is he is he singing keep on stinging (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say the b movie (laughs) (laughs) just keep on stinging (laughs) that would be a lot better (laughs) keep on standing Uh, is it someone about someone in a wheelchair and it's like really (laughs) no it's 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 as like literal and obvious as like it could possibly be. Stand by me. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, don't don't that'd be an awful Don't one. overthink it. It's uh his <laughs> his lyrics are like what are they like gotta get to the top and keep on standing. Yeah, oh. Rocky. Yes <laughs> <laughs> I was it just is, thinking about it. Oh my god. Rocky no. the musical. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, Alan, he's got twice as many points as you know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> One more day, she's on my back. She's been riding me forever. On my <laughs> faults and all I lack and all I oh whatever. Because I'm lazy and I'm average and I'm sloppy for a start. And I know she'd like a daughter who was pretty thin and smart. And I know she's freaking perfect, but I'll never be that way. She'll fight and fuss when her joy is all I'm after. It's been a long, tough time for us. Now it's time to hear some laughter. Cause I only want her happy and well punctual and clean. But she mumbles and she crumbles and at times she's upright mean. She's bright and so insightful. But oh no, is it? It's not the Helen Keller film, is it? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> that's really that's in bad taste. <laughs> yeah, well, you said it. It was, it was when she humbles and she mumbles and splashes it clean. I was like, oh, bad. That's why she's teaching her to say Walter. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, so it's a young young woman and conflict with the mother. Yeah, uh, and yeah. she's not good enough for the mother. She's not thin enough. It's the opening song they're singing about each other and how they wish they could just have one day where they're oh freaky friday yes freaky friday the musical better than helen keller the musical <laughs> <laughs> song 
Well, this that was about minor strikes in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. So I want to say Billy Elliot or yeah. or it's Full Monty. Billy Elliot. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking Full Monty at first. Because but Billy Elliot and Full Monty both have big theatrical musical versions, don't they? Yeah, they do. I believe. Yeah. But I think I think the Full Monty is a um, jukebox musical, whereas Billy Elliot's original music by Elton John. Mm. Oh, really? Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, if you want to get down to the real, the working class nineteen eighty <laughs> struggle, you go to Elton John. <laughs> you go to Elton John. <laughs> now I know he'll appear because there are rules and there are strictures. I believe the story. I, I'll give you a clue with this one. So all the different voices you hear is one character at different points in her life, like, duetting with herself, weirdly. Anyway, back to that. Is it Bridget Jones' Diary? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was is just it, going from the day uh, thing. Is it something like Girl Interrupted? No, no. Again, I think you guys are being too um, metaphorical. <laughs> if you picked out oh. any of those lyrics, just take them literally. Oh, okay. There was a bit about her white knight appearing and armour on his noble steed. Well, it felt like, yeah, playing off the idea... I'm of a noble steed! Shrek? <laughs> Shrek! <laughs> Shrek! <laughs> no! What? <laughs> yes, it is. It's my favourite. Donkey! <laughs> Having a musical trick. <laughs> That's a nice boulder. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Princess Fiona singing in the tower, and she's like a little kid, and then she gets a bit older, and then a bit older, and, it, and yeah. can't believe it. You can't conceive it. How'd he achieve it? It's the worst. The producers? Yeah, it is. It's, it's the producers. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Which... that's the first one I actually know. <laughs> like, I've heard that song before. <laughs> it's, it's not one of the best songs, but it's the most obviously the producer's song. <laughs> love the producers. The stage show is amazing. It's, it's like, brilliant. Legally Blonde. <laughs> is, wow. You've got an unfair advantage with that one. <laughs> yeah, I was, you've watched that. You've watched that stage show. You've played on the stage. I was, I was in it. <laughs> I was in it a couple of yeah. years ago. So I'm very familiar with this one. It's a great song, this, oh, genuinely. Yeah. Fucking hell, I've heard these songs so many times. Like six months of rehearsals. I genuinely it's love a good that show. Song. I'm amazed at show. how evenly matched you guys are with this. <laughs> Alan, you've just pulled ahead by one point, but that was oh, really? that was unfairly Ooh. like in your face. <laughs> that was definitely was gonna go. <laughs> right. Oh, I know this. It's hairspray. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's hairspray. Hairspray. Yeah, hairspray. Hairspray. 
Oh god, I, I've seen Hairspray. I, haven't, I didn't get that one. I, don't, I still don't recognise the song. Which song is it? It's the big famous it's, one. I can hear the bells. Yeah, the one where she's pretending to get married and she's walking through the school in a daze. It's been ages since I saw that. And you're you're a big John Waters fan, Alan. You should have got that. Yeah, man. Just one dream, nearly all your life. Hoping, scheming, just one theme. Will you be a wife? Will you be some he-man's property? Good news, that he-man's me. This equation, girl plus man. Is it Beauty and the Beast? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it oh, is. Very good. I thought that's that's got to be Gaston all the way then. That's a, that is very in keeping with the character, yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> yeah, that's actually really good. Yeah, Disney love um, doing stage adaptations of their films. I think Beauty and the Beast was the first one, certainly one of the first ones they tried it with, and that was one of the songs they added when they took it to the stage. I really like that song. I think it's good. Mm. Anyway, what else have we got on here? If I had my time again, I would do it all the same, they say, but that's insane. Wouldn't you want to make a couple of changes? Regrets, I'd not even have a few. Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that makes sense. <laughs> I only got it because the punks are Tony thing, but well, yeah. yeah. I, I Talk about if I could do it again, it all makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, uh, that was Groundhog Day with uh, songs by Tim Tim Minchin. Oh. oh, I like Tim Minchin. Yeah, he's he started doing the musicals now, Matilda, and now Groundhog yeah. Day. Yeah. yeah, I remember him saying he was doing the Matilda one. I've not met him, like, I just remember <laughs> reading about it. He didn't personally tell me. <laughs> I mean, you you are good friends with him, aren't you? It's just that... <laughs> you know, went to school together, like, but... He keeps his friends and his work life separate. Pers- personal and business. Yeah. yeah. He kept his, keeps his cards close to his chest. <laughs> yeah. Insert coin atop of ramp. Is it big? <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. I wish I was big. Yeah, this is from like 1996 or something. It's quite an early one.
So what do I do now? I don't know how I'm supposed to be. Do I get on top? Do I sit or squat? What happens if I have <laughs> to pee? I've seen what he's got down there, and I'm worried just a little bit. Though I know I'm strong, he is so so long. I'm afraid it might not fit. Oh, Someone called Debbie losing their virginity. Yeah? Come on, you know it. Don't you pretend you don't know it. That feels like it should be obvious. But I don't know. <laughs> you liar. <laughs> Debbie. I can't think of anybody called Debbie. It's in it, the, the name of the film. It's in the name of the film, Debbie. De- Debbie Does Dallas? Yes. <laughs> All right, ah. okay. <laughs> it is Debbie Does Dallas. Uh, <laughs> one of the, the, the famous porn films of... Uh, yeah. The seventies, or was it from the eighties? I don't know. Seventies, I think. Yeah, apparently every sex scene is replaced with a song. <laughs> I like that as a concept. That's, yeah. that's quite nice. Yeah, that's quite. Nice. Uh, so, Alan, you are draw- you're, you've uh, pulled ahead by two points so far. So Oof, it's still all to play hey. for, though. There's still a few left. Okay. So let's see if you can pull this back, Darren. We never really do this, but how'd you like to have lunch with us this week? Oh, it's no, no. Mean Girls. It is Mean Girls. I was just about to say Mean Girls as well. (laughs) How did you get it from that? I don't know. You can't sit with us. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen it once, like six years ago. I don't know why I knew that. (laughs) I'm really into the soundtrack to the the Mean Girls musical at the minute. It's fantastic. And blind. I should turn back while there's still time. You coward! <laughs> oh, boo-hoo! No one wants to play with me, and my wife has left me. Oh, woe is me! <laughs> not quite uh, hook. hook no no just hook the f- oh, right. no. uh, neverland nearly captain so it's captain hook 
It's it's kind of a sidestep from Peter Pan. Uh, Neverland. I, I, I mean, it's Fra- near. Fang- yeah. Finding Forrester. Is it the one? It oh, you guys are so close. Finding Neverland. Yeah. Is that oh, a film? Nice. It is. It's Finding Neverland, the film about. Um, oh god, what's he called? What's the guy who wrote Peter Pan called? Oh, um. <laughs> he believes in fairies. That guy. <laughs> that fairy believing guy. Anyway, that was of course uh, Fraser, Doctor Fraser Crane, as Captain Hook. Oh, was uh, it? <laughs> oh, cool. Right, I think this is the last one now. Cabin in the woods. Evil Dead. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, did you say Evil Dead? Yeah. Oh shit, yeah, it is Evil Dead. <laughs> Evil Dead the musical. <laughs> That's, yeah, Evil Dead the musical, which um, had a, a splash zone in the first few seats. What the fuck was that? Not as good as it might be, sadly. I would love an Evil Dead musical in theory. I got some Shelly on my shoes. Anyway, uh, Alan, you you pulled that back at the end there. You you won with 11 points at the end. But uh, that's only a four-point lead. Darren had seven. That's quite respectable. Very respectable, yeah. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) So why are we here? Oh, shit, yeah. (laughs) We still need to do a sequel, don't we? I've just realised. Um, so yeah, uh, do you guys know that they have been talking about remaking Little Shop of Horrors for the last few years, and mm-hmm. supposedly there is a remake no. in the works, although I don't know how likely it is to actually ever happen. Yeah, it's one of those things that gets talked about a lot. Yeah, but... and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yeah. last time I heard, I... was like producing it because he wanted to be the lead, Fair Seymour. Ah, oh, right. He likes singing, so... <laughs> yeah. He seems a little bit too handsome to be the main yeah. guy. Yeah, maybe. He'd be a good dentist, though. Yeah, if he can do... Yeah, I could see that. Mm, yeah. Him in Bruce Willis mode from Looper. Like from... Yeah, from, <laughs> from Looper, definitely. <laughs> um, he... I don't know. It, I just don't think... I think the 80s one like holds up so well. It's so like timeless and the effects aren't dated particularly. It... Yeah. I mean, there's no need for a remake. I don't know what a remake can possibly add to it, other than maybe set it in modern times. I guess that would be, yeah, slightly new. But I don't know. What's it gonna like? It'll be a CGI plant probably, and yeah, with yeah, Eddie Murphy as great. the voice. <laughs> 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 form, but, you know. It doesn't seem like worthwhile to me, which is probably why it still hasn't happened yet. They're probably trying to figure out how to make it worth bothering yeah, what's the new spin you're gonna put on it yeah yeah but um yeah that's what we're gonna be doing now for him go on then <laughs> <laughs> well i did have an idea oh yeah but every time i sat down to seriously think about it my brain liked to play this trick where it was saying seymour sounds like semen <laughs> and i'm like 
Okay, well done, brain. <laughs> Suddenly, semen <laughs> is all over my face. Feed me semen. <laughs> Feed me all night long. Oh. And then that's when my brain started saying, little slut of horrors. <laughs> <laughs> little shop of whores. No, no. Oh, yeah. Our sequel is uh, an unlicensed Por- porno knockoff. <laughs> I tell you what, there's a lot of scope for that. There's a lot. There's a lot of because um, you got you got the uh, you got your three you got your three Greek chorus girls. So that's a three on one at some yeah, point. Yeah, or a lesbian I, thing. I inadvertently said uh, when he eats Audrey earlier on. And I heard it, <laughs> so you've already got that. Oh god, yeah. That happening. Does the BDSM with the dentist? Yeah, yeah. yeah that was very S and M E sex stuff, and, and yeah. things like you wouldn't have to go far with that one. He was a sphi- he dies of asphyxiation. Oh does, god, that's amazing! Gas, you know. Yeah, he yeah. does. You know that nitrous oxide stuff is like really prevalent around the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I think we've got a, we've got a winning idea here. So let's let's yeah. let's flesh it out. Uh, that wasn't see. even like the proper idea. That was just <laughs> the porn adaptation. My brain just kept trying to force out. Have you have you got another idea? Yeah, but it's, it's not as I've good. kind of put out a strong foot, yeah. <laughs> it was basically gonna be a new age version where it was inside like the Trafford Centre, so it was a big <laughs> store. And it was a little failing like hardware repair centre. <laughs> yeah, okay. And and so the guy like Seymour would um like his hobby was like restoring old like laptops or old Apple computers. <laughs> yeah. okay. And during while he's at a car boot sale, the um the total eclipse happens yeah. and there's like this really old shitty Mac <laughs> sort of appeared. <laughs> and so he takes it back to the store and he starts tinkering and then he realizes there's like a Tamagotchi <laughs> program on it. And so he's he's like yeah. but he's also like yeah. a tinkerer so he's like plugging all these weird things together. Those things were notoriously difficult to keep alive as well. <laughs> yeah. He was trying to feed it, and that could be the song like "I've played with you for hours, <laughs> I've altered your settings." <laughs> but then, like when there's a blender attached, he's like trying to like fix a blender because that was some something someone brought in. He like cuts his finger, and the program starts responding and flashing. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. And so he has to put like blood into the keyboard <laughs> or on the touchpad, and then like it, it the food meter fills up. <laughs> So how so how does it grow and get out of control? Like what does it become? It starts like like the Tamagotchi gets bigger, but the screen's not big enough, so he like tries and puts it onto a bigger laptop and then onto a big TV. <laughs> so he has to like put it into like a USB stick and transfer it over to yeah. like, bigger things. Okay. <laughs> but then when he puts it onto like his actual computer connected to the internet, oh god, that's when it starts oh, feeding shit. into like the other programs and it. it yeah. So the scenes where it he's got all these the tentacles, it's it's all wires, <laughs> and it goes into the cloud, and then there's your apocalypse. Yeah. Nice. Ending. Like it's taken over the internet, and it's getting launch codes, and it's like <laughs> filling out all these secrets. But then, like, so it's took over the traffic center, and the main guy in Audrey. <laughs> I forgot who's in the traffic like, center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And like they're trying to leave the Trafford Centre. Should we explain what the Trafford Centre is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the Trafford Centre is a a shopping mall uh, in the northwest of England. That's pretty much all you need, isn't it? It's kind of the big shopping yeah. centre. 
But it's all like in a big, not a circle. It's like a big semicircle. It's amazingly tacky in a in like the best possible yeah. way. Like there's there's like an ancient Egyptian wing. There's a bit that's like ancient Greece. <laughs> the food court's meant to be like the Titanic, and it's done up like a big boat. Oh yeah. And so you, you like sit down with these <laughs> like, like Roman life bits rings. as well. <laughs> but yeah, like when he's trying to leave by like the John Lewis, <laughs> and. There's, there's like all the ovens, so it's like connected into all the electricals. It's, it's spying on him with the CCTV, so it's tracking his movements. Yeah. And when they manage to like leave the star and they're out, it's sort of like the building crumples in, and there's that giant like electrical surge, and it's this big computer robot. <laughs> but then, all you see in the distance is a little like jet coming along, and it starts firing missiles at it. <laughs> and it's bloody Seymour from the original one, <laughs> knowing what's happening, coming to take down this alien for once and for all. <laughs> from the original <laughs> film. <laughs> Rick Moranis. Yeah, Rick Moranis comes back out of retirement just to fly a jet, just to shoot rockets at a giant electrical <laughs> orbiting. <laughs> I think he'd do it as well. He wouldn't come back for the new Ghostbusters, <laughs> but he'd come back for this. <laughs> You know, he's just, he's come out of retirement, actually, to, um, you know that Canadian character he used to do? Do you know? Good day, welcome to Canadian Corner, the Great White North, and look at this. I'm Bob McKenzie, and this is my brother Doug, and, uh, this is Doug's new beer bottle. Look. Oh, take off, eh? <laughs> it's got a baby bottle. Although it's not bad, eh? It's like a condensed version of a Saturday night. You have a little beer and a little of this. Look at him, eh? He's loaded. Is that the one from Brother Bear? Yeah, they, they voice those uh, those mooses the moose. in Brother Bear mm. as those yeah. characters as well. It's, yeah, I like that idea. I am more interested in making puns about porn and the song <laughs> titles. <laughs> yeah, it can be combined the two. We've got a laptop and the internet. It lends itself to... To, to, to pornography. P- pornography. So Skid Row's... Yeah, Skid Row's all about Skid anal. Row! Oh god, that's yeah. Oh god, somewhere that's green. Brown town, all the way down. We're going brown town, down on Skid Row. See it all. It's like it was made to be porn. Grow for me. (laughs) I mean, that's that's in of itself. Yeah, (laughs) just don't need to change any words or anything. (laughs) What's the what's the central conceit here? The 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 plan. The, it's not a plant, it's a... But just a big a big woman? A big man? Oh, like, she's like one of the dead petite girls at first. So, like, at first she's a midget. What, and Seymour's a feeder? <laughs> and then, like, he's feeds her, but then she goes into, like, one of the petite girls, and then she just starts getting, like, busty, and then she becomes, like, one of those giantess women. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I like the yeah I like the idea of being a feeder. She becomes a, a BBW and then, and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> she just gets fatter and fatter. I like the I like the I did like your uh, your computer internet thing. That's a good way of modernizing yeah. it and yeah. making, making it work on the same level. Yeah, and you could you could definitely have a cool like internet computer inspired like musical number in there. Where it looks like Tron. Yeah, so they have Daft Punk. Yeah, yeah the, the Daft, Daft Punks Punk. Come Daft out Punk could do song yeah. for us. We should. You could say it in the eighties, though, where Ooh. where the internet was still oh, yeah. a magical thing. Yeah, you know <laughs> it's what? like be... that green that green screen. Um, yeah, that, no, oh, that really screen. works. But when was the traffic center opened? <laughs> <laughs> Levi Stubbs dead. 
Well, thank you ever so much, Darren. Thank you, Darren. Oh, thank you for having me, Sol Alan. It's been it's, great. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Uh, do you want to do you want to plug anything such as your podcast again? Uh, there's a couple of things you should plug in the little slut of horrors. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Uh, no, don't. But, no, I'll do the actual. <laughs> no, no, I'll do the. Um, I'll do a bit of podcast plugging then. If yeah, you don't yeah, mind. yeah. Go for it. Cool. Yeah. So uh, me and my friend Alex do a podcast called Films Remembered Badly. The premise is that we remember films badly and actors and plots and sometimes make all of it Should up. we give them a quick taste of it, of it now? Yeah, just drop a clip in right now. We've got Harrison Ford. Yes. Harrison inventor, Ford Mustang. Inventor of the Mustang, yeah. <laughs> and the moustache. And the moustache. Um, there is Carry On Fishing. Yeah. Carry Fishing. <laughs> Sorry, that shouldn't have made me laugh as much as it did, but I just... Uh, yeah, it's, it it's one of the Carry On films. Yeah, that's what I was imagining then, and I got really distracted forgot what we were talking about. Um, I forgot the last one already. Well, that's Oh, no, bad. and um, Mark Hamill. Correct. Mark Hamill. Yeah, that's Mark, Mark Hamill. Hamill. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? <laughs> that's Mark Hamill. <laughs> we got a, a few new uh, additions to the cast, like a few new big ones. Yep. Um, besides Daisy Ridley, then we've also got um, John Boyega. Is that Finn? Yeah, yeah, well remembered. Yeah, so he plays Finn. He's a British actor. Yeah. Uh, plays Finn. You, have you seen Attack the Block? No. That's pretty good movies in that. I've seen um, Attack the Sphere. Moving on. You come to us, you get shape jokes, alright? <laughs> Don't go anywhere else for your shape jokes. We try angle our best. <laughs> that was a terrible one. Um, sometimes we go around in circles. Oh, no. <sighs> oh, jeez. It's been a long day, I'm sorry, I'm tired, everyone. It's been an oblong day. So, there is also Kylo Ren. Yeah, do you know the actor's name? Um, Barry Swallington. <laughs> so, so if you want to hear more of that where can they find it so there's Facebook with Films Remembered Badly and if you go to Twitter we're also at Badly Remembered and you can find us on SoundCloud iTunes and wherever else podcasts can be found nice. brilliant alright subsequent to the events you have just witnessed there we go little shop of horrors thanks for listening thanks again to darren and little point of order yes we forgot to rate the film out of 10 we just got so swept up in the thrilling discussion but the other two have told me their ratings so here we go alan gives this film an 8 out of 10 which is very surprising because it's him and he's a grumpy bastard darren gives this film a whopping 10 out of 10 saying it still holds up, and I myself, I give it another perfect 10. I think this film is utterly phenomenal. So there you go, the the incredible surprise of this week's episode, I suppose, is that Little Shop of Horrors goes slap bang into our top 10 films of all time on dimreturns.com. We'll be back next week, as ever. In the meantime, uh, I know we ask you every week, but it would be really, really, really great if you could go and rate and review us on iTunes. Rotten Tomatoes have just updated their criteria for inclusion. 
They're now accepting podcasts as a, a medium for legitimate reviews, and we meet all of the criteria except for one about having a certain number of ratings and reviews on iTunes. We're not quite there yet, but, you know, it's, it's realistic that we'll get there if you go and help us out, and so if you are a fan of the show, if you do like listening to it, or if you're just a nice person who wants to throw us a bone, please do go to iTunes, look us up, and leave us a rating review us. It would mean a lot to us. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We'll post up little bits and bobs there. I, I posted up a picture of the real-life Annabelle doll that made Alan laugh in our recent Conjuring episode the other day. So, uh, you know, little things like that you can go and enjoy. As ever, we'll be back next week. Not entirely sure what we're going to be doing yet. Our schedules are all over the place. But at the very, very least, we'll have something for you. End question mark exclamation point question mark.